Nothing ever works. Nothing works. <laughs> Episode 72. June wow. 7th. 3.47 p.m. We just jump right in now. I'm done for the day. <laughs> I'm long since done for the day. I was I got woken up at 5 with a kid with a PB bed. Yeah, another kid is has a 104 degree temperature. I had to take a nap at like 6:30 a.m. I already had my first nap of the day before seven o'clock. Now, do you take naps or do you meditate or do you do both? And how do you decide which one is good? I never really nap. Generally speaking, I don't know. I, I don't do well after naps. Like I feel like I want to throw up after I take a nap. So usually I don't. I just avoid them, even though I probably should take them because I'm sleepy. Uh, I do meditate. I used to meditate more, but then I've let my busyness overtake me again, which is why I should be meditating more again. But uh, meditation is like o- almost as effective as a nap. Like a good meditation, if you give yourself like 20 minutes of a good meditation, you are refreshed after that. I see. This is going to be a short one because I had to turn the air conditioner off in the office for this recording. <laughs> I, I don't do well in the heat. <laughs> Uh, I need it to be where I need it to be. If I spill a cup of water, it's going to be frozen before it hits the floor. That's how I want it. <laughs> We're going to get you some kind of uh, like a body suit. <laughs> cool a podcast and cooling suit. Like Mr. Freeze and Batman. Yeah. Hey, so I had this business idea. All right, I had like 11 this week. I don't know what's up, but I'm, uh, I'm uh, filled to the brim with good business product ideas. I've been trying to stay away from because you know once you get it's like the, like you're like it sounds like you had a week like this where once you get started then like you just have a million of them and it takes all your time but actually you're not going to build any of them so it's well you see you'll build some. Well, I'll, I'll build all of them. Yeah, you'll, you'll build all of them this week, but I won't build any of them. But uh, this one it actually could be done in software, although I was thinking of it as more of a hardware plus software kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I tweeted it, but. Uh, uh, Dog canceling microphone. I see. That's highly specific. I've talked to like three, four people about this, and they're all like, I would buy it tomorrow. Because <laughs> they have dogs and they work from home and they want to sound professional, right? And they don't want to like have to run away up into some attic or whatever. They mm. just want to be able to sit where they want to sit and have the dogs barking and nonsense be canceled out automatically. Now, the dog is too specific. What about a kid canceling? It's X canceling, right? And that I, makes me think there's already software like this with inside of good mixers or something. Yeah, but see, you don't have to edit it after. You want it just done. Because for like a conference call, you, there is no editing. It's not just podcasting, right? It's, even, it's mostly not podcasting. It's more for I'm on a business call. I see. You know what I'm saying? So it's got to be real time. And yes, kid canceling would be interesting also. Maybe kid canceling is an in-app purchase. Well, it's, it's not so much as canceling it's just whitelisting your own voice right you train it against your own voice and you only allow that you cancel anything else right i wonder if that would be the best way to do it i don't know it's essentially a, a f- spam filter <laughs> there you go everything, noise. everything boils back to us <laughs> <laughs> all right as, uh, you know as as more people start doing the work from home thing all of these things will arrive on the yes. scene I want to arrive it. <laughs> <laughs> well, muzzled off. Go ahead. There you go. Um, it's a Skype Skype plugin. That's probably how you need to sell it. 
Well, I mean, people use all sorts of stuff. That's not go to meetings and yeah. all sorts of stuff. Right? Well, that's why you wonder if it almost has to be like hardware-ish, but because then you get into like a multi microphone, like then my I have to hook up my mic to go through this other thing to go to go to meeting or whatever, which sounds complicated. That's right, why I, have I mean, my, it probably it feels like it should be some sort of firmware sitting inside a microphone and you plug into it, whatever. Yeah, right? physical world it could be yeah. on staple shelves next summer. You just need you just need a microphone with a good software hook in it, right? A microphone with an API. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a good microphone, right? It's just for conference calls. They're not like singing into this thing. It's like it's to be a reasonable microphone with a good uh, specialized canceling ability. Well, it just needs an API, and you build whatever you want in it. Yeah, well, you're not going to find a microphone with an API. Well, it's probably easier to, okay, whatever. I figure it's probably easier to build a microphone that has hooks for an API than a microphone with special <laughs> canceling ability that you didn't have to train against your own voice. And, uh, whatever. It's all about canceling dogs. My fictitious product is more sensible than your fictitious product. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. <laughs> um, HelpSpot is free for three users. What are you doing? Yeah, that, well, that's not a fictitious product. That's no, a real no, product. I'm, not, I'm over the microphones. <laughs> you said you had a fictitious No, product. my fictitious microphone product oh. <laughs> with an API built into it. Gotcha, gotcha. What are you doing giving software away for free? That's not what we agreed on. First of all, it's all going to zero. So let's just get that straight. Pretty soon we're all going to be out of business. But on the way to there, you know, we, <laughs> could make, we can make some money. Uh, yeah, so let's see. Where do I start with this? Um, so we never had a free version in... 12 years or whatever it is. And uh, I don't know. Just, I've been in this experimentation mode with trying new things on the website, trying new things with the product. We tried, we also changed the pricing, which we could talk about. So you, I think we talked about in the show, like in January, we, all, we changed the pricing um, to like per user subscriptions. But uh, so these two things are actually kind of intertwined. Uh, the, it's hard to kind of separate them, but... Mm-hmm. The so actually phase one was to change the pricing again because the per-user subscription was okay, but it got really expensive for bigger installs, which we do traditionally have a lot of bigger installs, and I think it was a little too expensive. So I know everybody's like charge more, charge more, yeah, 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 in our circles. But at the same time, sometimes you can charge too much. So I do feel like on certain sales it was getting like just too expensive. Um, for us to like kind of support in the sales process. And then, uh, and it just also, it that then also limits you to a kind of narrower market, which we've always been a little bit more broad than that. Uh, so I didn't really like that part of it. That wasn't working for me. And I wanted to change to a pricing model that l- stopped like nickel and diming people. So we had kind of gone more towards nickel and diming. So every single user um, with no like packs or anything. And, there was also like two tiers. So there was like a standard tier, an enterprise tier. And it's all like it was getting complicated and it just wasn't like us. So I went to switch to where we could have more room for people to naturally grow without having to always bump up against having to buy more licenses. So we pretty much are trying out uh, like the Jira pricing model. And it's kind of common even amongst different SaaS apps to some degree um, to have uh, kind of tiered subscriptions. So up to five users, up to 10, and then it goes into bigger chunks of like 25, 50, 75, 100. 
So there's not as many spots where they're going to bump up with having to buy more from us. And they're also, uh, um, leaves room for it to grow into other parts of the organization, which was always a big thing for us. So we used to sell like individual licenses and 10 packs and bigger packs. So there were a lot of times organizations would just have like three extra licenses because they bought the 10 pack and they actually didn't need all, all 10 users or whatever, or they had already had 40 licenses and they bought 10 more. They only really needed five more and they just left those five open and that would let other managers come in or a small other department or whatever. And so we kind of eliminated all that with the per user pricing, which I think was bad. So, uh, so this lets that be there, lets them easily bring in other people in other groups, whatever. Let, you know, support is always bigger than just the support agents. So let you put in department managers, all those other people, so you can do a better job with support. And it also, you know, exposes more people to help spot, which is good. Um, so then, while we were figuring out all that math and stuff. Uh, and I like it because even though it ends up being cheap per user, like on I me, mean, it could be like as low as like $6 a month, which is way cheaper. Uh, but at the same time, it's potentially more money kind of cash flow wise up front to us, which I also like. So Wait, but <clears throat> this tiered thing that you're doing, it's for now you have HealthSpot is still downloadable, right? Yeah. Downloadable so, or hosted. So the tiered thing applies to the downloadable also? Yep. So why didn't you just go back to the pack thing? Yeah, so I wanted to keep subscriptions uh, because I like the subscriptions. I like the kind of regularity of it. I like knowing exactly how many customers we actually have and not having to like go back and like beg people to upgrade for support and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it just lets us plan better. Like, the subscriptions have huge advantages, of course, like being able to plan better. Um, it also does align kind of the custom, you know, the customer with us and that if we're not doing a good job, they're going to leave and not pay us a subscription. So that kind of creates a nice uh, balance there. But but I want to keep the subscriptions and not go back to just selling one-off licenses. And you want to keep it sort of like homogenous of the type of pricing between uh, like host, self-hosted and hosted online, right? Yes. So this way, it's the way it is now is it's just, it's one price for everything. So the all our features, support, hosted or on-premise, doesn't matter. Every single thing we offer, that's the price. That There's nothing else to buy. So it's much simpler. Um, we could always do custom stuff if somebody has like some, you know, very particular enterprise-y need. But that's just then a kind of separate conversation. And those people know who they are anyway because they know they have some weird thing going on. So we could deal with that as like a special sales process for them. But for the day in, day out folks, it's super simple now. It's just everything, which is kind of how it's always been previously. It's just everything, all features. And it doesn't matter if it's hosted or download, same price, and that's it. So it's much simpler to explain it's simpler for them to figure out. There's nothing to figure out. I need 20 users. I go in the up to 25 tier. I read across to the number. That's the number every year. That's it. Um, so that's much nicer. Uh, um, so, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, as soon as we did the new pricing, like we had a big spike in trials. So that's been kind of cool. Um, we also offered the free version because as I was going through the pricing, and looking at it, A, I kind of like the idea of the free version uh, because it lets other people, um, you know, let smaller companies use it and they're not, you know, that big a deal to us revenue-wise. So we're not losing much revenue. Um, it lets our existing co customers 
install it in maybe smaller departments and things throughout the organization without ha- them having to get budget approvals and things like that. So it makes it easier to spread. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of searches for free help desk software. So now we can be one of those options, even for people who don't care if, actually if it's free, which comes up quite a bit. Um, same thing as open source help desk list, I, the little site we had uh, or still have. Mm-hmm. And uh, people search for open source help desk software and they don't actually don't care if it's open source and they just buy HelpSpot anyway. So same kind of thing there. Um, so we'll see. It is limited to not no email support, no phone support, and it is download only. So there are some limitations to the free one. But uh, but yeah, so far it's gone really good. Like nobody's emailed us. I don't think we've had any emails yet of people wanting support from the free version. Um they can, you know, use the forums if they need support, and a lot of people have signed up for it. Almost all of them are like real companies uh, with their real email address and everything, so it's been pretty legit. Uh, which I was kind of surprised. I thought it might be a lot more of the blah 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 mailinator.com or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's been all pretty legit. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many of them up convert or how many of them get used in departments and end up converting and so on. But uh, uh, no, I think so far so good with with all the changes. So we'll see. Now you you did all of this. You, know, you keep doing all of this just from old school gut feelings, right? You don't run any split testing type of deal. Not on the pricing, we haven't done split testing, but I mean, we definitely saw a negative reaction to the new pricing in terms of like le- less trials and things like that. So there was definitely reasons to keep experimenting, but. Um, so there was some hard evidence, but it is also, yeah, I didn't like split tests. I, I'm, I can't be one of these people who's like, let me put up this totally fake pricing page and have a split test on it. And then when people want to use it, like it doesn't exist. And so we have to like fake it or whatever. I, I committed to the new pricing. The free version is a little bit more of a, uh, is a test, although it's not, yeah, it's not a split test either, but it is more of a, like that could definitely go away if it becomes a pain in the butt or it proves to not be very useful. Um, but as long as it's not a pain in the butt, it doesn't really matter to me if people are using it for free in general, as long as they're not causing me headache. And so um, and I think there's some other upsides potentially to it. We've already had one person write up a blog post and talk about it. And um, we've had some people tweeting about it and things. So you know, it does give away for, you know, these small accounts tend to be the people who actually talk like big enterprise middle-level manager who buys HelpSpot for his 40-person team. That person doesn't have Twitter. That person doesn't have a blog. That person's not on the internet. You know what I mean? So they don't talk about us. Um, Whereas, you know, the one-person shop, the bootstrapper, the small IT guy, like they do do those things. And so, the free version is nice for that and that it lets us, you know, maybe get a little more of that kind of exposure, but cool. Let's see. Sounds interesting. Oh, so as a follow-up question, I'm just checking out your website. And like every time I visit your website, helpspot.com, it's always like different. Right. Do you, <laughs> how, do you, how do you uh, schedule in, <coughs> excuse me, how do you schedule in uh, like the sales site uh, changes and, and all of that? And who does that work over there? So that's all been me. Uh, yeah, pretty much all me. Um, so now that I have, you know, enough other people here, you know, basically everything else is being done by the staff except for marketing. So now marketing is kind of the last thing that's entirely mine for the most part. Although um, Matt does help out with some things and uh, the guys too at 
different points. And, it, you know, all, like the pricing change, Eric did a lot of programming for it. So there, you know, everybody's involved in it. But in terms of the website itself, I'm pretty much working on that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just been this mode I've been in. So it's kind of, you know, for the two years before this, like before the last six months, it, or even last like three or four months, I guess it is, it didn't get touched at all. So, you know, so it went like two years without being touched and it kind of went like six years essentially without being touched. So right. it's been in need of experimentation and updating and all those kind of things. So yeah, I've been changing a lot of stuff on there. I have a whole new section in the works. This will hopefully be the last big thing. I have like an industries section I'm working on where like every industry, all the main industries we service will have like a page dedicated to them. That's, you know, focused on like example customers from that industry that use help spa and a quote from somebody in the industry and pop out of features that are kind of tailored towards people in that industry. And so that's a kind of a huge undertaking. So I'm kind of chipping away at that, but, uh, yeah, it's been been on me. I now see. I felt like it couldn't. It wasn't even ready for A/B testing yet, because well, two things is I still don't think we truly have probably enough traffic to justify it. I don't know, and I'm not a big A/B tester guy to begin with. But uh, but also the website was so funky that it seems stupid to get into A/B testing it. So now that it's kind of settling in, I think uh, I might experiment with a few A/B tests here and there on a few things. We'll see. But I still feel like I have so much other stuff that just needs to be on there that I'm not quite ready to. Uh, I'm not even to the tweaking stage. Yet. I'm still in the mass production stage. It's nice. Ours is always in a back burner to everything else. It's hard to make time for the website, especially like it's like the kind of thing you get it up at the beginning and then you're like, then it's just like dealing with the product and dealing with support and dealing with running the business. And it's like, you know, it's always the thing that gets shafted because if you have some customers coming in, you're like, well, there's some customers coming in, whatever. And uh, then you get behind on it. So someday I'd like to have somebody who just thought about the website all day. That would be a nice luxury. Well, we, we met a That's bunch of sure. we met a bunch of those people at Bacon Biz. You could have right. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of people like that there, and I mean that we've outsourced a few little tidbits, like some writing and some stuff like that. But they'll find it hard to outsource the actual kind of website itself. I don't know. I have such bad luck with outsourcing that I find to give somebody such a core piece of things right. would be hard for me. Cool. All right. Good. Good luck to you with the pricing thing. We'll see. We'll see. We will update. We will update the bootstrapped community. So, how was Bacon Biz? Yeah, so we went to Bacon me. Biz. You were you were there. I was there. You made the pilgrimage. I like Philadelphia. Three three Phil. times in two years now. A little less than two years. I know that's way out of the box for you. I like Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. yeah. How was Bacon Biz? How'd you like it? So, um. We got to talk about the introvert thing. The introvert thing. The introvert thing of me not being able to mingle over there with anybody. You're Um, you're a crazy introvert. So so I was thinking about that, and uh, I think that's a little bit uh, uh, that's that's kind of horseshit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Because it's true that like for for a lot of the times, well, except for the people that sort of come and, and. Okay, so let me hold it back a little bit. First of all, bootstrap listeners are like recognizing you and then a day and a half later asking where Andre is in front of me. 
<laughs> you pointing two inches away from you saying, Here's here he is. And they're like, Oh Well, they may not weird. recognize you, you know. That's that's that um, may not be fair of you. All right. So that's one. That's fine. Okay. Second thing is the general so I don't think it's the introvert thing as much as I really don't give a shit about small talk and I'm not good at it. And uh I've I've had in all of these encounters where it's like the standard spiel is hello how are you coming from a person who's just clearly just making eye contact because they're not part they're not yet and they, they didn't know who to talk to so they just landed on you and now they have to say hello how are you and then what do you do i do this and what do you do i do that mm -hmm. and then 30 seconds of silence and then you make an excuse and leave um that sounds like an that's introvert how it goes. To me. well but so so where it becomes a little bit of horseshit is that afterwards when we went to that beer garden thing which right. it might be because of the booze but i don't know uh -huh. um we met uh emily and omar from remember the milk they're the founders of remember the milk these are like we're like meeting idol these are superheroes it was awesome <laughs> who started around the time that we started yep. they were the oldest uh founders there well not in terms of age but in terms of company age Probably and close, yeah. And I talked to them from the get-go for like three hours <laughs> without stopping with none of the, what do you do? How do you do all that small talk bullshit? It was like right. normal conversation with a normal human being. And I was totally fine. And don't worry about the third beer next to me. I was <laughs> totally fine. And uh, it was good. And, and then uh, JD Grafham stopped by and I was talking to them, to mm -hmm. him. And it was totally mm -hmm. fine. Uh, JD, uh, so JD has simple focus and another consultancy, clear function, I think, and like nine sasses. So, so do you want um, me to explain it to you? No, but what I'm saying is, I, I, it's I know not an introversion thing. And it's not a booze thing. It's no, like it's just human, human ass, human connections. <laughs> <laughs> Can I explain it to you? Go ahead. Okay. Some people you just can't talk to. Here's the, here, there's multiple issues with multiple layers here. Okay. First, you are somewhat introverted. That's and fine. in a big room of people, that's not you you're not you don't necessarily want to push yourself to get out there. Would you agree? Um yeah, it's I mean, I don't know. It's just I've definitely speaking. I've definitely had conversations with people in the big room setting that were normal conversation, just like the conversations I had with uh, Emily and Omar at the beer garden, like at Laracon, I had conversations with people at Laracon inside that auditorium space. It, it It's just, there's something about whether you just click with a person that's yeah. going to turn into well, small talk bullshit or a normal conversation. But that's where these things you end up having to talk to a bunch of people, like to find those three people you click with, you go through 20 other people. Like that's, that's the I kind guess. of the element of it. Which you have a low threshold for that process, which so do I, for the most part. Now, these are people I've been around several times now, so I'm a little more like in the flow on it. So I think that's- You're, like, you're that's, actually pretty good. You have this thing where you will serve up a tennis ball of a question that's not really how's the weather, but still BS enough to continue a conversation. Sure. And you're good with that. I'm not good with that in that like I can't make it look like I care <laughs> and it doesn't come off nice. You know, so well, this is one of the advantages. Here's a, a trick is one of the upsides of being a speaker at a conference is that then you are perceived as like the expert and you end up with talking to people from a different 
angle, like they're coming to you with a question, even if it's not, it might be about your talk, but it might also just be like, you are now perceived as like on a different level for whatever reason. And so, and a lot more people will come up to you in general than if you're just a member of the audience. Cause if you're just a member of the audience, like it's just everybody like, I don't know you, I don't know you, I don't know you. but when you are a speaker, then people come up to you because they're like, Oh, Hey, like whatever, nice That's talk, whatever. True. I, I did have an easier time at Pierce. Up here, that's right. Because like you're perceived as like part of the event, which which helps break the ice a lot. Um, so that is that's one of the. Th I hate actually doing these talks, but I do like that part of it um, because it does help make it makes that part much simpler than having to like actually strike up conversations with people. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other thing is, this was not this conference is not in your wheelhouse. So there's a, you know, a type of founder that, you know, it's very like content heavy with eBooks and it's, it's courses. very, it's very people who would spend a lot more time focusing on that sales website than we right. would. It's almost entirely about the sales website and the product is, it's not like, it's definitely not afterthought. It's not the right word, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a product that gets finished for the most part, right? It's not like an ongoing thing like software. It's like I, I wrote an ebook or I built a course and now really the emphasis is on selling that course. Um, right. Whereas, oh, hold on, I guess. Okay. It's, it's sort of a marketing and tactics crap. Right. Which, I mean, I think that is an area we could use help in. Um, but at the same time, it is it does like create a different tone to it. Whereas the people you're referencing with Remember the Milk, uh, Omar, he is your doppelganger. He is. He is like my brother from another mother. <laughs> he is exactly you. It's like they cloned you and shaved you, and that's <laughs> him. So, like, so it's also a little bit unfair. Like, that's that's what we need is a conference for like programmers who are forced to do things they don't want to do, like marketing, and then that those people you would be in your element with. Except the first thing that Omar said is that I'm not really at this conference. My wife is because I think conferences are bullshit and you're wasting your money. <laughs> exactly, though. That's exactly like you. Like, he, yes, he's there against his will. No, you weren't there against your will, but like... No, the, was the, the beer thing was the best part of it. Yeah, well, that's, always, that's usually true. The, like, networky, that's just another part of the networking, but the beer, you know loosens the wheels a little bit yes but i i agree i don't think that the beer was a major factor for you in terms of i think we happen to sit next to somebody who was like perfect for you and that was great and it's awesome and they had an established app that we know we understand it's software we get it like we they came up the same time as we did so we're like reminiscing blah blah, blah. like so that's that's great when you meet that person there which like i always say what do i say about these conferences what's my rule as long as you take away one thing, you're happy, right? Exactly. So you had your one thing. That's all you could ask for. Now, if you left without uh, meeting anybody that you found enjoyable or uh, nothing useful, then that would be that would be a disappointment. But you you had your moment in the sun. So I think overall, it was a, a success for you. I loved the remember the milk guys. It was for, aside from like meeting the CEOs of. So remember the milk started when Ontario started, and we were both in the BlackBerry space back then. I and uh, and they were like hot shit. Like back then, if you asked me, can you go meet with the founders of Remember the Milk? I'm like, no, they're like CEO dudes. And I'm like a guy in the, my bedroom. <laughs> but they're like totally us. They're not. Just him and his wife. And uh, just so happens nine employees on this one app that they've been working on since like 2005 without marketing. 
But this is one of those things where I tweeted something about this the other day, is that you sometimes think these bootstrap apps, like people in the space are huge, but they're really small. And then you also have vice versa. People you think are small are actually like $50 million companies. Mm. And it's like, if you ask me how big Remember the Milk is, I would think that they're either A, out of business, which they're not. <laughs> as soon as you told me they're not out of business, I would think they're pretty big. I think they're bigger than they were. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's interesting how that, I'm, no, I'm amazed. I'm amazed because they're essentially they say the same size as we did. Yeah, but they've been going at it for since 2005, basically through engineering. Like the whole thing, the only thing they've been doing is engineering. I'm like, I talk about marketing. He's like, marketing? What are you talking? about? <laughs> they have some marketing, but, but yes, they don't do a lot of formal. They're they're really word of mouth. Like yeah. they they hit it and they were writing that for a long time, right? Just through improving the improving what they have. Like they don't have a second app. Like they're. Uh, Omar said, like, their latest release took five years, literally five years in development. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's where, that's what's interesting. It is interesting when you, you know, all, all of us who came up at the same time, you can ride a long way on that, you know, that if you're there kind of early. Uh, like, I feel like HubSpot's in the same place. Like, because we were there early, that gives us a lot of, that's given us too much latitude in some ways because we haven't had to do as much marketing as we should have and just have existing customers who pay us, you know, and um, which is why I've been like so hard on marketing the last few months because I'm like, boy, we got a lot, like, a lot of catching up to do because we haven't done any marketing in years. <laughs> like, That's not really a good, good place to be. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And then that's also, yeah, this sort of a generation gap thing that was maybe going on a little bit too. What'd you uh, get out of it? In, 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 in. Um, no, I thought it was good. Uh, some of the talks were definitely things I've been thinking about. So talks wise, it was you know it was good. And uh, so yeah, I mean I, I I I like it. I mean I like you know I know a lot of people there, so it's kind of good to catch up with people and all that. So uh, and I love Philadelphia. I would yeah. seriously consider moving to Philadelphia. Yeah, I would I would really like to live in Philadelphia. Well, like my my entire exposure to Philadelphia is the historic district. So. Yeah, well, that's where I'd want to be. Uh, so that's all right with me. So the rest of it is like when I you mean, take ever- a cab, like you kind of see like the rest of Philadelphia. It's just like completely different, yeah. modern. Um, I got a few product ideas there and a few talk ideas, uh, and then like that jump started this couple of weeks now. Of like every day, I'm getting this product idea. See, yeah, well, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, we gotta do our sponsor. Okay, it and is. then then you're gonna tell us about these product ideas. And I'm not. Uh-huh. Yes, I you don't are. Talk about yes, well, you gotta no. give me. You gotta give me one. Nope. <laughs> you gotta give me ballpark. No. Well, I, all right. Well, I got, I got a whole bunch of questions for you, but all right. All right. Sponsor time. This week, as every week, brought to you by Linode, and there are our good friends. I have tons of stuff hosted there. You have stuff hosted there. Mm-hmm. Um, Linode is Linux uh, server hosting, VM hosting. Starts at 10 bucks a month for one gig server. Um, I run pretty much everything on one gig servers. I just, basically every single website of ours is just on its own one gig server. I don't have to worry about one site taking something else down. Um, I wire it all up with like auto deployment stuff. So it's just push and deploy. Super simple. Um, everything for like a couple bucks, you can have the servers backed up. So I do that on pretty much everything. Um, and it's great. They have, you know, super fast SSD storage, uh, fast uh, networking. It's all like the latest Intel processors, 24-7 support, obviously, money-back guarantee, which is great. Um, and, yeah, we've been happy customers for I, – I, I should have them look up when my 
account was started, that would be interesting for these reads, but it's got to be at least like five or six years, a long time. So, um, uh, as always, they're offering $20 uh, in credit to bootstrapped listeners. So go check that out. Um, you could run a server for a few months just on that credit to get a good feel for it. Um, and it's also hourly billing. So you could even just be spinning it up and down if you just have like products or kind of one-off things you want to play with and you could stretch that out over months, I'm sure. Uh, so check that out. Um, you can get that at linode.com slash bootstrapped.fm. Uh, and you use bootstrap 20 is the offer code if you do have to manually put it in. But the uh, if you go to the URL, I'll take care of it for you. So that's linode.com slash bootstrappedfm. And uh, that'll be linked up in the show notes. And thanks a lot to Linode for building a great product and uh, sponsoring the show. I'm looking at the customer list for Linode. I see WP Engine on there. The WP engine charges you a thousand dollars a month, and they pay ten bucks a month. Smart. <laughs> That's a smart business, right there. Um, I'm right, also so looking at the customer list for Hellspot. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, we got some cool customers. Uh, we have some cool customers that, like, from the way old internet days, that like, like we were Twitter's first help desk, Thirty Seven Signals, like their first or second help desk. <sighs> no, they're not customers anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But. It's cool old internet. We were Twitter's help desk when they were Twitter spelled funky. Yeah, with no vowels. and we were, we were actually Odeo's help desk, and they branched off into Twitter. So that's how we became Twitter's help desk. Mm-hmm. For you uh, internet old timers. Right. So listen, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about products. I don't talk about products. Talk about products. I'm not, okay, I'm not talking about product ideas. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the products. I was just funny. I was going through the inventory of our products uh just yesterday just to see what because i lost track of them believe it or not. uh 16 active products and 10 retired or otherwise inactive so getting up there yeah um so uh got some talk ideas from from uh bacon business even before that um and uh, i was looking for places to sort of pitch them and the peers is like a year away that's a long time yeah and uh so i went up to taylor uh, taylor and uh asked him if Laracon uh cfps are closed and i'm like the day after they closed i asked him if they're closed he said okay. yeah they're already done so i'm missing everything like another conference i i i tried and that one cfps are closed i'm missing cfps all year this year and there's nothing coming up so i was looking at like not not meetup.coms but uh like lanyard and, and a whole bunch of other like open CFPs mm-hmm. type thing. I couldn't find anything, but I did find this code days conf, which I think is their first year or will be in September because they just announced in April mm-hmm. and they're in Buffalo, okay. New York. And I'm like, yay, nearby, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing anything about where Buffalo is or how far away Buffalo is. I told my wife, I'm going to pitch this. I'm going to submit this CFP to this code days thing because they're probably not picky. They'll take me. And uh, they're in Buffalo, so they're close by. And then I looked up how long it takes to get to Buffalo. And like, you might as well be Canada. It's essentially (laughs) Canada. Yes, you can't go by distance, though. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's eight and a half hours away. Yes. What do you think it was? You think my house is too far away. Buffalo is is real far from my house. Um. It's it's kind of dumb because eight and a half hours away by car, same thing by train. Uh, except you got to take an extra longer by train because I got to get to Penn. 
and station first. Right. Uh, or an hour by air, same cost. I know the train is crazy expensive. I prefer the train, but it is crazy expensive. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fly because if I'm gonna risk dying in a plane crash, it's not gonna be for Buffalo, New York. <laughs> <laughs> you know, planes are safer than trains. Yeah. I'm tell you that. Okay. It's true. Uh, but I agree. So, but you haven't been on a plane in forever. If you're gonna get up on a plane, you need to go somewhere. I haven't been on a plane since 1987. Yeah, you need to go far if you're going on a plane. You can't just go. Um, Yes, yes. No, it's both not going to risk a plane crash for Buffalo, New York, and not going to risk a plane crash to save six hours driving. So, Well, yeah, and the train's all right, because you can sit there and work and hang I out. Drive, like, what? I probably Don't drive. I still don't know if I'm going to pitch it or not. But. Don't drive. You don't want to drive. Um, all right, here's the thing. I think you're going about this not in the optimal way. First of all, you should be looking at iOS Android conferences. I don't have any iOS and Android I'm not looking to get clients. I just have interesting talks that I kind of want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Um, not going to say. <laughs> I think you should be doing mobile-ish talks because you could do a mobile-ish business talk that would be something different than all the people at these reg- at the mobile conference, just like, you know, optimal, whatever, whatever, coding shit. And no, I pitched to release notes.tv are sort of sisterish, cousinish podcast. But that's one. And they're also CFPs are closed. You gotta do like 50 of them. Yeah. You gotta at least do 10. And you should be doing all these ones around WWDC. That's when all the conferences are. Any summer conferences are around WWDC. And then I'm sure there's some others like probably in the fall and spring. Yeah, there's like 360 iDev or iDev 360. I always get those confused. Some stuff like that. Uh, I think you iOS. should get one, two, get two talks that, and make the like abstract for them perfect like just work on it for a week and then take those two and have them be like different so that you can kind of pick the right one depending on the type of conference kind of thing or do both sometimes they let you do multiple abstracts and submit them methodically to you know every conference that comes up that looks interesting for the next year see talks are weird uh like the entire thing about giving talks is weird because <clears throat> I don't want to make a profession out of it or like a, a life mm-hmm. thing out of it. Like, like for example, Rachel Andrew does like a lot of talks. She's like constantly on the road. If you go to Lanyard, she's like com, a professional speaker. That if, you go to, if you go to Lanyard.com, they chose her picture as their <laughs> I'm serious. Go to no, Lanyard. I, I think I've seen her. Um, but, I mean, but she's like a professional speaker. There's right. a lot of value to be had without going to that level. So, but I don't like middle of the road stuff. Like it has no upside on the business. I don't really yeah, get business out of it. I it has no. It has a lot of downside in like leaving the house. You don't really get paid for them. <laughs> well, then why do you want to do it? I don't know. Here's I just sometimes I, I have this because for the same reason I taught that semester at the local university because you want to try it. Yeah. So here's the thing. First of all, Rachel Andrew didn't like just become Rachel Andrew, right? But I don't want to become Rachel Andrew. Fine, but she she didn't even start out to become Rachel Andrew. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure she did like one talk one year, a million years ago, right? And then she did two, then she did five, and now she does a hundred or whatever it is. Yeah. 30 or whatever. So, you know, there's like a progression there. So you start out doing one or two, and then you do. I mean, you've but already done a couple. She's, so she's now fine is, with that vector, right? That's like she's, well, yeah, she's that's in a good space for that. what she wants to do. But like, I don't want that 
Yeah, that's not an end goal. You're getting too far ahead of yourself. That, you're not ever going to be that. Don't even worry about it. Right. You're, but then there's no here. there's no reason for it. It's like it's entirely sort of selfish. It's sort of I like disagree. buying a donut. Like See, there's no upside. It's not really no, good for you. Speaking at the conf is the very <laughs> best thing about a conference. Like it's the best thing you could do. It's a thousand times better than sponsoring a conference, which is just burning money. It's generally going to be better for you than attending the conference because especially nowadays where you're not going to learn anything at the conference usually that's that's the and only upshot because that's the only upshot it 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 i've been to conferences where i've spoken and i've been to conferences where i haven't spoken and i like the the former more than the latter it's easier to be yes. at the conference when you're a speaker there yeah it's much more fun you go to the speaker dinner you hang out with all the other like well-known professional types, you kind of have a little bit insider thing going on. You still get to go to the talks for the most part. Um, you know, everybody knows you then, so you get it's much easier to mingle. And for for the consulting stuff, which I know you're trying to get away from, but still, it will be it's very good for that. For the product stuff, there's not as direct a correlation, but still, there can be. It's kind of how like depending on what your products and for like apps, it's not going to help you that much probably, but. Even that I think is not true because you know what? If you produce like an app, regular 99 cent app, but now you can go to these sites that review, you know, you can email these reviewers and things and be like, hey, I built this app. Who am I? Look, at, I've spoken at these 10 conferences. I'm Marco Armand. You're Marco Armand with a beard. So <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So I think it helps your personal brand. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll submit. It is a lot of work. It, yeah. It's a, it's a big like, investment into something that's essentially like an ego boost I, see, I don't think it's really an ego boost I think it has payoff mm-hmm. and the more even you do the easier it is to do that it's just like anything else yeah you know then people will just be asking you to speak or you know if you get to that kind of where you've been around a few times or whatever so I'm considering submitting to this code days they, they're really like you can't <clears throat> tell whether they're very small or they're just starting out or like if it's a room of 10 people the tickets say sold out but they have like 11 followers on twitter it's really weird see i like this is it's a good i would love to have a shtick i'm still i've been toying around with different ideas but that's the thing like rachel has her like flex was it flex grid or flex bar whatever the heck the thing is called the new css stuff um so she's talking everywhere about that because it's like a thing she doesn't have to like make a new talk every time you know, she, I know she does like customize it for each conference, but right. you know, it's the meat of it is there right. for the most part. And she can do that same ish talk over and over. And that makes it much simpler. It makes it much less stressful. Um, all that kind of stuff, which that's I'm kind of more interested in that rather than like how a lot of people do it and how I've done it all the times I've done it so far is I make a brand new talk every time I speak and it's incredibly stressful well, you could you could focus. Really on, yeah, I mean, you could focus on customers. I mean, you were your thing at Bacon Biz wasn't customer service, but you could do customer service. It seems to be a good fit. Uh, it's I, boring, see, <laughs> right? And you need, I need an angle on it, right? Like just being like, here's like that's what I did. At Microconf. It was like it was kind of like a background, but then it was like it did talk about customer service and there was tips and blah blah blah, whatever. But it's not like an angle. It wasn't memorable you could you do know, an angry brad version of customer service that's, you know, angry bad has a shtick which is interesting but i can't steal angry brad's brad's shtick that's too too hard to say there um then he's angry and i'm not that angry on the outside anyway i keep my anger inside so maybe that's i should right. release it which would be that's right interesting your thing is that you're, you're always angry never mind 
<laughs> I do like, uh, I actually have this little side project, not side project, but a marketing thing for HelpSpot that uh, it's kind of in the spirit of Angry Brad, I would call it. So the, the, it'll be interesting to see if he, uh, what he thinks about this. I don't know. We'll see if it even gets released. I don't know if it'll get released, but it could be shtickish actually, kind of in the same realm as an Angry Brad. I hadn't actually thought of it in those terms, but those are, those are interesting terms. Angry Brad's a wonderful HelpSpot customer for everybody who doesn't know, works on Craft CMS, the wonderful CMS tool. And uh, he does, you know, he does development, but he also does support. And he gave a very nice talk at Piers about customer support and how it made him mad. Yeah, that's on Vimeo. I, I guess PierceCon.com probably has. Okay. We'll link that up. That's a, it's a really good talk. Um, did you see Spolsky's new thing? I did. Hyperdev. I didn't get a chance to play with it a lot. I like how he just, like, they just are like, we're just going to throw money at this. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, he'll make $100 million off of it just like he does in everything else because he's a, he's a self-sustaining goose that lays the golden egg every time. I think it's just to give everybody a server who comes to your website is kind of like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, they must have some big, you know, terabyte RAM servers there just issuing websites, which is pretty cool. I think it's BS that it's like, more Node, more JavaScript. You could have built it against something else in the back there. Having yeah, it- well, that's the coolness, you know. I mean, this the kind of thing is entirely based on like coming up with a shtick for it, you know. And I mean, I don't know. To me, I don't know anything that is like a web de- web dev for kind of lowest common denominator web dev. I feel like is not inherently a good business because geeks are kind of weird like that and. But, you know, I, who knows if, when they come out with the pro plan or whatever. And if it's super awesome, I guess. Could yeah, be he's doing the same thing he did with Trello. He's going to be free for a year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's nice to have that much money that you can write it out. Yeah, you can write it out. I'm going to have like 10 terabyte RAM servers and just give everybody in the world a free, you know, 64 megabyte VM. and Until you're also used to using it as part of your daily development cycle that just the pro thing will just kick in. Right. So that's kind of smart. Um, Trello to me has a, like a bigger upside, uh, but you know, it is kind of cool to see him back doing stuff in the development world. So I, I don't even think he was part of uh, Fog Creek anymore. He just sort of shows up, does a blog post announcing something, and then goes back upstairs to Stack Overflow. I think he's he's made his money. You know, he's good. <laughs> He's all right. Um, I'm sure when something tickles his fancy. Like, I don't know. I didn't get the impression that this was like his baby. I got the impression that the Fog Creek team is bored from working on fog bugs for a million years. And like, here's another side project to like give the stars, you know, something to work on that's, you know, fun and can use new right. tech and blah, blah, blah. And hey, we'll release it. Like, you know, and if it does good, great. And if not, doesn't doesn't matter. So... Hey, which is yeah, a cool place to be. I'd like to be there someday to have uh, two or three people just skunk working uh, projects. Would be kind of cool. Yeah, he he's not involved. He 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 retired himself to passively aggressively insulting the audience from stage. <laughs> well, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> think he retired. I think that's I think that's the only that's part a hobby. he kept. No, that, that's like the the through line. He's dropped off everything else, but uh, he still has. Um. Uh, what else? What's what been going on with Andre Butov? What are uh, you- consulting stuff picked up again. Just existing customers. Lots of product work. Lots of product work on new stuff. What? What mm-hmm. new? Like is this new idea stuff or stuff mm-hmm. we've already talked about? Mm-mm. New idea stuff. Some of the stuff we talked about at, at Bacon Bits. 
All right. Well, give me, give me the, uh, give me the, nope. give me uh, the the no. overview without no. committing. No. So the biggest thing is, is it desktop is, or SaaS? Um, SaaS. They're all SaaS. Okay. Weird, huh? What are you uh, building? Are you using Laravel? Yeah, they're going to be Laravel. They're going to be that $99 thing that Taylor released that bootstraps everything for you. Yeah, that thing's really nice. What is it? Spark? Spark, yeah. It gets rid of all the uh, you know crud that makes it horrible to build a SaaS app. Going to do that. Probably going to release Uberdeck again as a SaaS, actually. I've mm-hmm. been thinking about it. Because um, I have, I have uh, clients who sort of need it. Mm. And they're kind of expecting it to be a sad. It's real. It's weird. When Parse shut down, I thought that uh, what everybody would have liked was an on-premise, self-hosted version of essentially what Parse did. Um, but from what I've been hearing from like people who've been using Parse and uh, my own clients who need like push stuff for mm. their clients is. Uh, uh, didn't really care. This this sort of just like they want the stuff that Parse did again. From some, they just they just want the service, right? They don't care whether it's installable or not. Yeah, I think nobody really cares about on premise unless they actually have like for something like that. I think they absolutely don't care because it can't be behind a firewall because its whole purpose <laughs> is to send stuff out and back and like you know. So if it's not like HelpSpot is kind of like it's still an app that some people care about that kind of stuff. But I think for like messaging to mobile apps and stuff. Right. And the, you know, Parse, w- w- when Parse shut down, they released their stuff as open source. I mean, you have to like, it's Rails, I think, and you, and you need like... Yeah, you need, the whole thing. You need a team to bootstrap the scene. You know, so, <laughs> and I don't think anybody's like gung-ho about using it. So right. so if I'm going to do Overdeck, I'm, I'm thinking about adding things to it, changing it a little bit, uh, and uh, releasing it as a SaaS thing again. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. So Scribbleton is on 2.0. But see with that, you're going to have to really think through the marketing side. That's what you got to think through. Can you build in some marketing that is like built into it to, so that you don't have to do as much traditional marketing, but it has some stickiness. Right. So it's been, it's been a weird week where every day I'm like, I get an idea when I go to bed the night before. Right. And then every day starts with like thinking about through that whole thing in the shower. And then having something completely new come in during the day as an idea that comes in at night again. And then the next day it's like thinking about that idea. And they're all like viable because I've been, I've been sitting in them for like a week and a half and they're all good. Mm. And like, I don't have time for any of this. It just piles on. Yeah. You just got to write them down. Just put them in Trello. Yeah, they're them in Trello. Um, That's yeah. what I do. I just I let them, I let them take over. For like an hour or two, you know, and then I'm like, all right, then I got to, I put them down and then I see if it like sticks with me, but I get them out of my head for a it's, little while. It's, it's dangerous, right? If you play yeah. around with it long enough. Well, then you get, to, I mean, I've definitely had time. Yeah. You get distracted. If you like kind of half start fiddling around with it, then you're yeah. kind of distracted from no, everything else. Nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. And that's not going to get done either. So you still have to pick. You can only really work on one thing at a time when you're one person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have a couple of back burner things you kind of poke around on, but you need to like you need to pick. You know, one of them. Yeah, go with it. So I got to finish up Scribbleton. Right now, it's client work in Scribbleton. It's the only thing I have time for full time. Well, what have you been doing with Scribbleton? That's getting version two. Yeah, so Scribbleton is getting version two. A whole bunch of stuff like security features, like encryption for web pages, and the whole wiki gets an encryption layer, and yeah. a bunch of features. I actually rewrote 
a quarter of it in JavaFX because I was playing around with doing cross-platform stuff in JavaFX instead of Qt. Mm. It's pretty good, but it's one of those things where the benefits don't outweigh the fact that there's like years of work in, in the C++ version already that's just not going to be worth changing it up. Yeah. But I'll consider doing the second version of Source Key, no, uh, Quintu, the Stripe thing mm. in JavaFX. Um, uh, just, I don't know. It's It's been a weird, like, fertile week where, like, there's this input of new stuff that is distracting me. Well, that's always one of the benefits of getting out in the world is, you know, get exposed to some new ideas or you're just talking through stuff and stuff strikes you, you know? Right. Also, um, my lease is expiring and that's giving me anxiety because I got to call up these car dealers. I just want to pay somebody like $500 to go. I know exactly what car I want. I just want somebody to go get it for me and return the old. <laughs> Where's that service? I think that you could just call them. If they know you, they'll order you one and, or if they have one or whatever, and then you just go drop it off, pick it up. No, because you can't talk to these people as human beings. That's Because that's not how they work. My wife told me the other day I was talking about a uh, a product. I was, talk- I was talking about, uh, I forgot what a product was, but it was some product where it was based on the fact that uh, we had existing customers who are car dealership owners who have used the BlackBerry version of this thing. And I was thinking mm. of making a SaaS version of this thing. So my wife said, why don't you, while you're at the dealership doing this <laughs> thing, ask them if this is something they find useful or whatever. I'm like, no, you can't talk. These people, you cannot talk to a card. They're in, they have this ingrained interface sales pitching this thing about them where you, that you cannot break through. You cannot talk to this person like you're talking to them at a bar over drinks. It, you can't break through that facade of salesmanship. It's impossible to talk to a, a dealership, like they want you to be happy and to like them, and they will say yes, that's wonderful and great to whatever comes out of your mouth until you sign and then you leave, and they don't know who you are afterwards. But like the whole interface is ingrained, and you can't talk to them like a human being. So I can't just call up and say, "Look, I know exactly what you want. What I want. Give me this car. Here's the old one. Please send it to me." And thanks. What happens is, uh, what's your name? What's your phone number in case we get disconnected? Do you want to come in? Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have that color, but I'm still going to call you 500 times next week to ask you why you're not coming in because I already forgotten that you're not coming in because we don't have that color, but you're on my list now, so I'm just going to call you. Right. <laughs> this, you become part of the machine and you're essentially talking to a machine because they have their stick ingrained, set up and ready to go. And that's what you're talking to. You're talking to a fucking clown through, um, you know, you're ordering food through a drive-thru when you're talking to a dealer at a car dealership. Um, so... You have to go through that whole mess in order to get a new car leased and to return an old one, even though I know exactly what I want. I just want the newer model of exactly what I already have. <laughs> so I it feels you, like I, I think you can make it happen. Right. So it feels like you just want to pay somebody five hundred dollars to say, like, go find me this thing here, my five colors in order of preference, twenty sixteen version of this car. Just bring it back to me. We uh yeah. There, that would be an interesting service. I mean, I think we just—I uh, didn't get it yet, but I leased a new new truck, and because uh, now I'm on the—I'm I'm switching them back over to leasing, and because uh, I'm like, I, I always—I'm not gonna want an old thing I have to worry about. Like, I just wanted one I know runs, which means like I'm never. Right now, I have you know an older truck, and you know it's getting close to like over a hundred thousand miles, and I don't want to deal with like fixing stuff or replacing things, and I have no time for any of that. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna put in the time and like go lease something, and then every two years I'm just and I got I got a two year lease every two years, 
I'm just going to swap right. it out. Right. Leasing is just a hedge against going to the karmic hedge. Right, exactly. So, uh, and it was kind of painful. It was, but at the same time, I'd say it wasn't, it wasn't too bad because they were just, I just like told them what I wanted. They're just ordering it. And that was pretty much it. It's like, it, it, it did still take like three hours. I don't know how it takes three hours. It still takes three hours, even though I didn't even like push that hard on negotiating and stuff. Like it wasn't, I mean, when I was younger, I remember like spending like all day there, like back and forth. The guy went over like $5 a month difference in the payment, you know, like I was fighting for every nickel. You know, now I was just like, listen, I just want to get the hell out of here. Like, okay, this price, it doesn't look too bad. Like, what about you knock this off and we'll just call it good. And it was fine. And, uh, but yeah, it was still kind of painful. But then, you know. Yeah. If I you, don't if even you, do that. I don't negotiate at all. It still takes three hours. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I essentially didn't negotiate. But it, it was kind of because it was kind of cool. This is no no help to anyone. But uh, this bank in our area is trying to get in on leasing cars. Right. It's actually our main bank. And so normally you lease the car like through the the finance arm of like the car company, you know. And But there was this local bank doing it. So since I know I'm definitely not going to keep it no matter what, like we just put like all of the money back into the residual. So they not by just switching to this other bank, it saves me like 150 bucks a month, which is insane off, off a not big payment to begin with. So like, because basically I'm going to return it and it's going to be like the same price as it was two years ago, which is kind of weird, but, but I guess yeah, whatever with me, it's actually good for them. Cause I drive like 3000 miles a year or something. Yeah. So, they'll make out. But if it was like a normal person and they returned it with, you know, 24,000 miles, I feel like that would be, that would be a little bit of trouble for them. But yeah. anyway, so, got to do that now. Got to go and do that now. All right. Next week, I want to hear about uh, Butov's products. I want to hear, no, I want to hear something. That's not a, next week. There's going to be twice as many of them that I'm still <laughs> not going to talk about. Oh goodness. Uh, All right. Let's wrap it. All right. We'll be back next week. All right, thanks, thanks guys all. for listening.